0: We are continuing a series called 21 Days of Prayer. And this has been a series. I hopefully you've enjoyed it. And uh, I would love to hear from you as to maybe some things that God's doing in you as you walk through this 21 days. And and you can email me, uh, matt at the journeyonline.com. You can let me know. Uh, You can let us know on Facebook or or Instagram as you engage with our posts. Uh, Hopefully you're reading. You've got one of these. If you're not, you can grab one today from the uh, info bar and out in the cafe. Uh, Your Truth for 2019, this is just some scripture uh, that I think you could memorize, that you could read every day, uh, that you could help you understand how God sees you and how God sees and what, what he wants for you. And so you can uh, just fill yourself with truth. Uh, that's our goal is that you kind of would start this year off uh, the right way. A lot of times uh, in the beginning of the year, Uh, We make a lot of resolutions, we make a lot of plans, we make a lot of goals, we'd like to see some change happen, and if you're a believer, some of that comes along with prayer because you want to pray for God to do some incredible things this year, you want to see God make some big changes in your life, and that's great. Um, but we have a theme verse for this series because of the target of why we're choosing to pray for 21 days is what we're praying for and actually what we're asking God to do. And here it is in this in this verse. It's Ephesians 3.20. It says, Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we ask or imagine. And that's verses often used sometimes to talk about big things and dream and and you know what we want God to do out there and around us and at our work and, and the things that we endeavor to do, but very rarely do we take that as an understanding of, hey, listen, we really want to pray that God would do more, but he's got to do this work within us in order for us to be able to receive more and be able to learn more and be able to experience more before we can do more, before we can accomplish more and see more that God's going to do in our lives. And so we, we basically said our 21 days of prayer, our goal for this, the promptings that we give you every day on social media, um, is basically to expand our capacity. If you think of a balloon that kind of expands and can can stretch and go further and further and further, it's like our spiritual lives. God, we want you to expand our capacity to experience more and more and more and more of you in our lives, in us. And so we spent the last couple weeks talking about, Uh, building our confidence, not our self-confidence, but our God-confidence. And We spent last week talking about uh, what are we actually committing to. We're a culture of of really not wanting to commit or really low commitment, and that doesn't need to be the case for believers. That doesn't need to be the case for you as a follower of Christ. You have the Holy Spirit guiding and directing your life, not committing to the outcomes but committing to the the step-by-step leading of Him in your life so you can, with confidence, be able to commit to the things that He places uh, before you. And today, I want to talk about a better you, all right, a better you. But really, the core of this is the idea that we want God to grow our character, all right, to grow our character. Now, everybody hears this. Uh, This is, again, this time of year, it's a new year, new you. How many heard that before? You've seen that on Facebook, right? A new year, new you. Well, that's because a lot of the things we, you know, have resolutions for, a lot of things we'd like to see changed In our life, they have a foot or they have a root, if you will, in a character issue. Okay, so you wanna lose weight, that's fantastic. More than likely, there's some character stuff you're dealing with in terms of a lack of discipline in terms of responsibility being able to take responsibility uh, for your health and for your life. Maybe it's uh, relationships. You're, you got some relationships, goals, and things you like to see change in 2019. Well sometimes that's a character thing. It has to do with uh, your passion. It has to do with your compassion. It has to do with, you know, um, your, you know, maybe you're you struggle with judgment and gossip and things like that. And you there's things you need to work on. Maybe it's career. All right. Maybe it's a career issue and you, you know, you want to see God do some incredible things in your career, but there's a there's an issue of purpose in your life that you, that you struggle with. There's an issue of, um, of uh, again, of empathy maybe and things like that. So th- a lot of times the, the things you want to see changed most, we don't oftentimes recognize that they have a root, they have a foothold, if you will, in a character issue, a character flaw, something that God wants to do in you, but we don't oftentimes approach it from that direction. We don't often approach it from our character. We approach it from, well, God, if you would just help me do this or help me accomplish this, because that's what you know most of the resolutions are. I'm going to do more of this, and I'm going to do less of that, and I'm going to make this happen. But oftentimes we don't think about how our character plays itself out. Matter of fact, I love the way Thomas Paine said it this way. Uh, you know, he's an author, and he said, hey, reputation is what men and women think of us, but character is what God knows is true of us. I mean, nod your head if you agree with that, right? Reputation is what people think of you, and that's oftentimes the front we worry about. We spend a lot of times worried about what others think of us, but character, your character, the stuff that you're made of is actually the stuff that God knows is true about you, right? I've heard it even said, character is oftentimes who you are when no one's looking, Right? It's who you are when no one's looking. And I believe character. This out of all the topics that I was going to talk about in this series, this was the one that I was most excited about. And I was most personally challenged by because I really feel like sometimes we don't we underestimate the work that's required of us in terms of allowing God to do work in us and through us in order to deal with character flaws or to deal with character issues, to deal with the sin that comes from those things. In our life, we don't spend enough time on us. You know, we we always want to see us do differently, but we don't spend enough time on us. And there was a question. There was a question that I wrote down. um, A question I wrote down. Maybe I think it was. I tried to base it on maybe four or five years ago. It was a question that. Listen, it's a question that bothered me the moment I wrote it down, and it bothers me every time. I go back and read it, and I want you to know, I don't read it that often because I don't like the question, all right, and it bothers me, and I hope that it bothers you. I hope that there's, I mean, we're going to dive kind of in the deep end first thing this morning because the, the, the outcome of this question, the, the answer that you would have for this question is a big weight for you to deal with and wrestle with, and, uh, and I want to read this question for you. Now, I want to warn you out right up front. Uh, this question might bother you so much that you can't even hear the rest of the message, you can't even listen to the rest of the message because this question's going to bother you. And that's okay. We, got, we put them online so you can go back and listen to everything else I had to say afterwards. All right? But are you ready for the question? Yeah. Well, don't get too excited because it might bother you a lot. All right? Here's, here's the question and here's why it matters in terms of why it could create some of the biggest change for you this year. Here's the question. Can God trust you enough to give you what you're praying for? That's the question. And if you're like me, you pray for a lot of things, but the question then becomes, and this is why it's a character question, can God really trust you enough to bless you with what you're praying for, to give you what you've been requesting? All right? And the reason I say it's a, it, it really begins to change the way we pray, it begins to change how resolutions look, is because if he can't trust you, You've been praying possibly for some financial margin for years. You've been praying for, you've taken new jobs and you've taken promotions and you've done some other things and you're just not seem to be getting anywhere. And you keep praying to God that he would bless you financially and he would pour out that kind of, you know, you try to find the prosperity church. That's not us, by the way. You try to find that church that'll tell you that God wants you to be rich, you know. But the problem is, is that you have very little discipline, right? And you don't understand stewardship. And you don't practice generosity. And quite honestly, you might actually be pretty wasteful. So the question is, can God trust you to give you more? Maybe you're looking for a relationship. Maybe it's a significant other. You've been, you know, this is the year, 2019. I'm going to find Mr. or Mrs. so-and-so, right? I'm going to find that person. I'm going to catch them, you know? And maybe that's you. Maybe it's maybe more intentional friendships, but the question then becomes, but who are you? Like, can God really trust introducing that person into your life right now? can he do that? Maybe you're judgmental. Maybe you're too negative. Maybe you've got, you know, you've got no empathy. You've got no compassion. You're a gossip. Does God really trust you enough to introduce that person to you right now in your life when you really aren't the person that person is looking for? Right? Right? The same can be true even of your career. And I I think this is a big one for us is that, you know, we want the promotion. You know, we want to step up the ladder. We we want God to increase our influence and increase our, our power, so to speak. But the problem is, again, you don't care about other people. You care about you. You don't have empathy. You struggle with compassion. You don't have any discipline in terms of your organizational skills. So why would God allow you to be over other people? Can he honestly trust you and me enough to give us what we're praying for? And that's why I really think this is a very important question to ask and one to wrestle with when you start praying, when you start thinking and asking God for things very specific, is hey, is there something that needs to be worked on in me before maybe that can happen? Before, you know, before before that is gonna happen, there's some steps in place that I have to deal with in terms of me, in terms of who I am my character. And that's why I really want to just spend this time this morning. I'm going to give you four ways in which I believe we can walk through the process of allowing God to grow our character. And I want to help you understand there's some really hard things that we have to do. And there's some things that are very specific that God has to do that we can't do in order to see this begin to change and have real change happen in our lives. I'm also going to give it to you in a a kind of some construction language. I just found this easiest way to do a framework for you this morning is some construction language. If you're a construction person, you'll get it. If you're not, it's pretty easy. You'll hopefully get it, okay? It's not going to be that hard. But the first thing that has to happen is inspection. doesn't matter what project you're looking at or doing. There has to be a time of inspection, okay? And I love this passage. This is a great uh, psalmist verse from the psalmist. This is a great thing. If you're a morning devotional person, if you're a morning, uh, you know, journaler kind of thing, this is a great verse to have that you read pretty often. Um, And this is how it goes. It says, in Psalm 139, it says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me, which none of us pray in the morning, right? None of us are waking up going, hey, test me, Lord. No. Test me and know my anxious thoughts, meaning know what I'm you know, apprehensive about, know what I'm struggling with. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. That's a challenging verse to wake up and be like, you know what, God? There has to be some time of inspection. I want you to point out anything in me that, sh- that isn't where it should be. I want you to point out anything in me that's not the way you want it to be. Test me and my motives test my heart search me out there has to be a time of inspection and there has to be a place in which you are willing to be honest about what that thing is I don't know what your character thing is that you I mean that God's going to have you work on this year I don't know what that might be for you there's a lot of character traits, but, I, but, you, but it's the idea of saying, okay, God knows, and He can reveal that to you. He can kind of share that with you. Here's an area I want to grow you. Here's an area I want you to, to expand your capacity in terms of your character in. And you got to name it. Now, the, the thing is true you are only as strong as you are honest, okay? You're only as strong as you are honest. You only have the ability to begin the process. Of working on a character issue, working on a sin, working on these things, if you will bring it to light, if you will name it, if you will claim it, so to speak, own the responsibility of that issue in your heart and in your life. You can only begin the process of working on it if you are willing to be honest about it. Now, listen, we are oftentimes, we oftentimes are, on, we think we're honest about the people we hope we are and think we are. We're not usually very honest about the people we actually are. Everybody with me? That we're not very honest sometimes about who we actually are, about, about, again, the character, who it is when no one's looking. But you're only as strong as you are honest about that. And there's not a whole lot you can do with you. Even There's not a whole lot you can do for other people either. And this is a big one that I, I, I just kind of hit me as I was preparing over several weeks uh, in December, is, is this idea that Jesus put it a certain way, uh, and I want to read this passage to you. Jesus put it a certain way that was, again, very challenging in terms of us being able to recognize what it is he wants us to work on. Jesus prompted this at the end of his message on the Sermon on the Mount. The whole chapter seven is the end of his Sermon on the Mount, very famous sermon by Jesus. And the whole chapter seven, I wish I could read all of it. It's a great processing chapter that takes you from one place to another. But where he starts, where he starts is the question that I want to introduce. And it's this. Why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a what? Read it out loud. Yeah, that was, really, that was really quiet and moaning, kind of like. All right, read it one more time. This is Jesus asking the question, hey, why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a what? A log in your own, right? He goes on to say, how can you think of saying to your friend, hey, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? I love the words, the next word is, hypocrite. Don't you love it when Jesus says that, right? Hypocrite. First, get rid of the log in your own eye. Then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Now, I'm going to help you understand what he means by the end of that, but man, that's a, that's a big one right there. You got you to gotta deal with what it is that's in you first and foremost before you can deal with anybody else. This is what it looks like. This is my visual that I used on Facebook last week. This is my visual that this is what Jesus is basically saying, okay? Is listen, you tend to notice all the specks in everybody else in your life, but you don't notice this thing, right? You, you can't see. How in the world are you going to minister anybody, help anybody, you know, uh, you know friend anyone and be able to encourage anyone in an area they struggle with when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Like, how are you going to do that? And this is real. I'm just telling you, when this becomes a habit for us that we don't inspect, we don't acknowledge the stuff that we need to deal with, we don't name it, we're not honest about it, this is what it looks like. You're the, you're the person at home, and you've had your dinner, and you've had your dessert, and you've now you're covered with chips, you know, uh, chip crumbs on you, and you're thinking about the ice cream that's not finished in the fridge, and Lifetime comes on with a commercial for hoarders, and you're like, you know, they're the ones with the problem. You know, those hoarders, right? They're the the people in your life that, that are so judgmental that all they can do is see, you know, they see marriages and they see, oh, they shouldn't be like that, and I can't believe they bicker the way they do, and I can't believe this and that. But you're not paying any attention to the lack of intimacy growing in your marriage or to the silent distance that's been happening for years in your own life. The people in your life, I know you've seen these people, they, they love, love, love going to Bible study or group and prayer time comes up and man, all they can do is start sharing about what everybody else is dealing with that they're struggling with. You know these people? Oh, bless their heart, you need to pray for so-and-so. Don't you know what happened? Well, I probably shouldn't say. Let me just tell you a little bit, <laughs> right? And the whole time, this is what they look like. And this is why Jesus said that. Jesus said, why in the world would you worry about that when you've got this? And when he ends it by saying, Look, you're a hypocrite, you got to deal with this before you can deal with anything else. You got to deal with this before I can use you to help someone else with the speck in their eye, with the stuff that they're struggling with, the character flaws and the secret sins. I need to, I, you got to be able to address this with you. But the reason you can't do this, and oftentimes this message is taught, that verse is taught with kind of a, a tone of the possibility of a little bit of self righteousness is the fact that, well, once you deal with your problem, well, then you can just go deal with everybody else's. No. What Jesus means by that, if you read the rest of chapter 7, is that the one who understands the log in their own eye, the one who has to deal with that, they really understand grace. And only the people that understand grace can truly help people with their problem. Matter of fact, I put it this way. People full of grace for others truly understand the need for grace themselves. And I'm telling you, when you've got that log in your eye, when you really can't see past your own issues, you don't even know they're there. You refuse to acknowledge it. I'm telling you, it blocks grace. It blocks you from experiencing and receiving it to help you work through your character issues, to help work through who you are. But it really stops you from being able to extend that to the people in your life. So Jesus says, look, you, you need to deal with that. You, got, you have to have some time of inspection. You've got to be honest about what that thing is. Again, I don't know what it is for you, but you've got to be honest about what that thing is before you can do anything about it. The second step is demolition. And this is where we start putting these things aside and taking them off and putting them to death. There's a lot of words that you'll see used in Scripture. This is how it's stated in Proverbs it says, there's six things the Lord hates, no, seven that are detestable to him. All right, this is a, just a list, a simple little list of eight. These are some things. You want to find some lists all over the scripture where you can find out some things that just don't need to be in your life. Haughty eyes, pride, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood a heart that uh, devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush to evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. You can't deal, again, unless you're honest about your deal, unless you're honest about some of the things you have, you really can't even start dealing with them. You can't start, as the Bible says, putting them to death and, and, and putting them aside and beginning to acknowledge to fight those things in your life. These are the things that God does not, they're not helping you at all in your life. They're not helping you be the person God wants you to be. You need to put these aside. You need to take these off. They're the old man, right? He says, you need to do that. And I I just wrote from that list in Proverbs, I kind of used some more modern uh, words that we probably use, that we get a little bit more of, but I'll be honest, they're just so commonplace in today's culture in terms of what we are made up in terms of our character. There's an integrity issue in our culture. Integrity issue is an issue of being honest about who we are. Again, first and foremost, we're usually not very honest with ourselves. So therefore, we really can't be honest with others. And when you have that integrity issue, we tend to do a lot of things. And tell me if you don't see this all that often. We tend to put a false front up to other people. You guys with me? It's not really who you are, but you need to protect what you look like. Thank you, social media, right? We also tend to exaggerate for no reason. That's an integrity issue, right? We tend to, oh, the southern yes, I talked about that last week, right? The polite way of lying, that's the southern yes. It leads us down the path where Gossip is also an issue because we can't help but talk about other people. And let's just be honest, the root of the problem with gossip is the fact that you don't want anyone focusing on you. So you spend all your time pointing out and talking about other people. Because if you're still long enough, if you're quiet long enough, people might actually start looking at you. What's going on with you? So you spend that time just kind of As we'll talk about later, even sowing discord, spending that time gossiping about other people that they're none of your business. Same thing is true with being judgmental. and The way it comes out in our culture most often is that we feel so much better when we can agree with other people in a judgment of other people. Because it gives us kind of a pack mentality. It gives us the, the ability to be able to say, well, I'm with others. Even though, I mean, f- gosh, even politically, even along the lines of social media, all we want to do is kind of get in the bandwagon, if you will, of this, um, of this judgment of someone else to make ourselves feel better. There's something about it that just, just it's a, like, a, like a trigger for us. It makes us feel better. And we don't understand the judgment that's coming from us. And it, and it really breeds more judgment in our hearts. And another reason about judgment that's such a big deal is that we don't have to inspect the issues. We don't have to find the log in my own eye because the moment I start feeling a sense of of the fact of how bad I feel about something about me, man, I can can think of 15 people that are so much worse than me. Nod your head if you're with me. Oh, Oh, nod your head if you're with me. Bunch of liars, right? That's what judgment does, right? It, it's, it's this idea that I, the moment I start to have that, that pricking of my soul and my spirit and God is prompting me about an issue, he wants to grow in me. I immediately can rush to judgment and think, of, well, I'm really not that bad. Look at all that, right? Um, arrogance and pride, you saw the haughty eyes, false. There really is a false strength that we try to we try predict project on others. Business, in the business world, it's very, very difficult because you, know, you, sort of, you can't show weakness. You can't show weakness uh, to others. You can't be humble. So haughtiness and pride and arrogance kind of fills our culture. And people, you know, I'm telling you, social media has not helped us in this at all. We kind of have to put a stake in the ground and create an island to ourselves so that we feel so much better about us. But again, it goes back to, this is, that is a pedestal of sifting sand. That is, a, that is not something to, to put your foundation on. And yet that's oftentimes what people with pride do. That's why my proverb says, hey, pride comes before the fall, right? Because pride is not anything you need to stand on for any reason. There's secret sin. The best way I can describe secret sin, I don't know what that would be for you. But it's the thing that you don't want anybody to know about. Okay, it's the the thing that you guard so carefully that you don't want anyone else to know about and you do all that you can to make sure no one even suspects it. And here's the problem, our secret sins, those character issues that cause secret sins in our life, they are a ball and chain. You are slave to it because you will have to do all the things that you have to do to keep that quiet and to keep that secret. And you know the problem with secret sin is that usually you get found out. And when you get found out, the people who are closest to you, it's not usually a massive shock. They can look back and connect the dots and see how it was weighing you down in everything. And then there's this discontent and discord. The reason I want to put these together is because oftentimes I think one, one really feeds the other. Is that so? Many so often we have such an issue with being discontent. We don't have enough, no, not enough security, not enough money, not enough pa- patience, and not enough peace. And we feel so discontent with the lives that we're living that our one of our only outlets is to sow a discord among everyone else, so they could be just as miserable and as lost as we are. Everybody with me? This is so common, guys. And I don't know if you're your issue is on this list, your log. I don't know if it's on this list or if it's something really, really specific in terms of an area that God wants to do a work in you in terms of your character. But listen, the the, the scripture is very clear. This is something you need to battle. This is something you need to put off. This is something you need to surrender to him. I love the way Paul says it in Colossians because he not only tells us what to do, but he tells us the work that God's going to do as well. He says, now's the time to get rid of Right? To get rid of anger and rage and malicious behavior and slander and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature. Right? Get rid of, strip off your old sinful nature and its wicked deeds. Put on your what? Say it out loud. Put on your new nature, your new normal. And be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. This is the process of what's going to happen when you put that to death, when you get rid of those things, when you begin to inspect and work on those things. And it's called reconstruction, right? You have to have inspection, you've got to have demolition, but there's reconstruction. And I want you to know this really clearly, that reconstruction is a process by which God is doing the work in your life. Okay, this is, this is where we find the dividing line. As we continue reading Colossians 3, Paul uses more of this language of put off and put on and, and clothe ourselves. He keeps going. He says, God chose you to be his holy people he loves, and you must clothe yourself then with tenderhearted mercy and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience. And he goes on to say, make allowances for each other's faults and forgive And we're going to read this out loud. That's a good line. Hold on. Make allowances for each other's faults and read it out loud and what? Forgive anyone who offends you. Oh, that's a good one. Let's read that again. Forgive anyone who offends you. Three times the charm. Read it again. Ready? Forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. And he goes on to say, above all, clothe yourself. Again, hear the language. Clothe yourself with love, which binds us together in perfect harmony. Now what I want you to see in terms of this dividing line is that one of the reasons that you you and I don't see the change we want to see in our life is not because we're not praying for more patience right? It's not that we're not praying for more patience or more compassion for others or, you know, we're praying for God to do this work to change something we know we need more of. The problem is, is that you and I are not willing to do the work to call it out, to inspect in our heart what's wrong, to call it out and to start battling that thing and starting to surrender that thing to God. He can't do that work until we're willing to do what we are called to do. To put that off, to put on the new nature, to understand that there, there is an old man here that needs to die, and there's a new nature by the power of the Holy Spirit that I get to step into, that I get to live out of. And so I don't listen. You don't have to create patience in you. God will do that. That's part of the new nature. you gotta fi- You got to figure out why you're impatient. Why are you so entitled? Why are you so important? right? That's what you got to deal with. Oh, God will do the patience part. You got to figure out why you're impatient, right? You, you, you want to care more about others, and you want to be more compassionate, more loving. That's great. You need to find out why you don't have empathy for anyone. You need to find out why you're so selfish. These are the things that you need to deal with. You don't need to create compassion. Compassion will come, Right, patience will come. Matter of fact, I love the way he says it in Galatians when he talks about the fruit of God's spirit. He says the Holy Spirit, what? Read it out loud. Yeah, the Holy Spirit produces these things. He says he produces the kind of fruit eyes, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You don't need to kind of stir up as much self-control as you can find. You need to find out, you need to acknowledge why you're so lazy why you lack discipline, why you don't actually care. That's your job. Your job is to acknowledge that, to deal with it, to surrender that. His job is to produce in you self-control, self-discipline. That's what putting on the new nature means. It's not you trying to have to manufacture, you know, you're building it. You're not building it up. God's building you up. In terms of growing your character, God's going to produce in you the character he wants you to have. To accomplish all that he's called you to accomplish. But we have to do the inspection and we got to do the demolition and we got to be honest about the things that we're dealing with and the log in our own eye. We have to surrender that to him and put that to death. Again, using some of the same language Paul's used to get rid of, to shed so that we can begin to step into and live out of what he's going to do. That's the work he's going to do in us. And the fourth one is called, I just called it the punch, the punch list. Let me know what the punch list is. Raise your hand, right? You ever built a house or done a project? That's what they call it. It's called the punch list. And the punch list is basically after everything's done, after you've done the construction, after you've done the project, right? You didn't really notice that that wall wasn't straight, right? You didn't really notice these few little problems. It's kind of like the fine details, the the punch list. It's It's finding all these little things out that you need to still acknowledge, And that's what I really do believe sometimes happens with us. I I, I mean, this is me. I believe people can pray and that God will reveal things to you. And I believe that God can can do a work to reveal and make you more self-aware of the things in your life that you need to work on. But but the reality is, is that even for us, even for the healthiest of us, we might still struggle with something we can't see. And here's one of the reasons. When Jesus, before Jesus even talked about the log in your own eye, and in, in the Sermon on the Mount, he used the, he used the eye for many different examples in the Sermon on the Mount because that's something they understood in terms of a visual. And so here's what Jesus said in chapter 6. This is early on. He said the eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. Right? It's, it's a, he's talking about health. He says when your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. And he says, but when your eye is unhealthy, the whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light in you that you think you have is actually darkness, oh, how deep <laughs> the darkness is. Basically, what he's trying to say is, oh, how unhealthy that actually is. So this is you. This goes back to the example. When you can't see, but you think you can. right? This is, this is the you that you're not honest about. And you actually think you've got clarity and you actually think you can objectively kind of approach something and you think you can still minister to people even though you've got a secret sin, even though you've got major issues that you just refuse to deal with, that you can't see past. Oh, how, dark the deep, oh, how deep the darkness actually is for you. Oh, how much you don't see and understand. That's what he's saying. Because when the eye is healthy, you know, it, it, it provides light. It's a lamp to the whole body. Now, when we, we, um, we train pastors as part of a, a, one of the ministries of our church, and we train church planters and pastors kind of all around the, the states, and we're doing it in Haiti now. Don and I are moving to Haiti, or going to, moving to Haiti. We're going to Haiti quite often. Feel, it will feel like that this year to help continue to train church planners and church pastors. But one of the things that we express to them very early on, because these guys are walking into you know, kind of the front lines of ministry, and we know there's a target on their back, and we know, um, we know that they're going to struggle. One of the things we want to help them understand is that we take them through some psychological profiling. We take them through some tests, some self-awareness tests. But here's the thing we tell them, that out of all the, out of all the research that we have, That even out of the very, very most self-aware people in the world, they usually only can still see 90%. They can never actually see the full picture. And one of the reasons we try to tell people that they they struggle to see the last 10% is because honestly, there's some stuff in your life that has been there for so, so, so long that you don't even see it anymore. There, there's, some, there's some things about you that you've just kind of marked off as, well, that's just the way I'm wired. That's just my personality. That's just, that's just who I am, you know? I've always been a worrier. I've always gotten angry over this kind of issue. I've always had a short fuse. I've, you know, that's just, and you've kind of knocked that off. You can't see it. And, and you refuse to acknowledge that thing that needs to change because you've kind of just justified why it's there and and, and, that, and that you really are helpless to it. And that's that 10%. That's the stuff you can't see. And what we oftentimes try to help people understand, and this is true for you and me, and this is why I wanted to talk about this morning, is that most often, the stuff that's gonna like knock you off your feet when it comes to your faith, the stuff that's gonna take you out of ministry, the stuff that's gonna really be a train wreck for you in your life, it's not the known weaknesses. It's not the stuff that you're quick to acknowledge. It's your blind spots. It's the last 10% that either you refuse to see or you just simply can't see. It's not, it's not going to be the known weaknesses that you acknowledge. You're like, oh, yeah, I know, and I know I am, and I'm, I need to get better at that. It's usually not the known weaknesses. It's going to be the stuff that you can't see and you haven't allowed people to speak into in your life. And this is, I'm telling you, if you didn't think the beginning of this message challenged you hard enough, this might be one of the most challenging things you've ever done, is that if you don't know what that last 10% is, ask someone. Ask someone. I mean, you need to trust them. They need to be people you have a relationship with. Don't ask me. I don't know you. Don't ask me. But you ask somebody who's in your life. You ask somebody who's close to you. You ask somebody who you feel confident that you can ask them in grace to say, you know what, I've done really, I've done a lot of work this year to try to figure out some things God needs to work in me, but I know that there's a good chance I'm missing something. Would you tell me what that last 10% is? Would you help me see the blind spots that I just simply can't see? Man, that takes courage. Takes you really being honest about what's going on in your life. But I'm telling you that that's the only way he's going to begin to grow your character. And that's the only way you're going to begin to expand your capacity to let God continue to, to do more in you, to experience more, to receive more, so that you can do more, so that you can accomplish more, so that you can be and experience the full potential he has for you. But he's got to do a work in you first. And this is one of those areas, again, that we don't talk about that often, specifically just about your character. But there's a log in your eye that you need to work on, that you need to acknowledge. And I want to encourage you. This is the year right? 2019 could be your year to, to experience some of the most incredible change in your life that you ever experienced. Next year's resolutions, next year's uh, goals will look nothing like the last 10 years because you're actually going to make a change this year. You're going to go through the inspection process. You're going to start praying those prayers of God, search me, point, test me, point out anything in me that you don't like, and I'm going to name it, and I'm going to acknowledge it, and I'm going to share it with people I trust. And I'm going to start the process of what it looks like to surrender that to you, to do battle with that thing, to find out why I have that issue. This is your year. And this might just be the year, if you do that, that you're going to start seeing some of the things that you've been trying to produce your whole Christian life. You've been trying to get more loving and more patience since you became a believer, and it just hasn't happened yet. This could be your year. This could be your year when you start doing that work and God starts to produce in you love, patience, joy, gentleness, self-control, faithfulness. He starts producing those things in you. You start seeing it come out of you in ways you've never thought would be possible. And He starts to reconstruct you. He starts doing a building in you. He starts to renew your mind and don't stop there. Okay, don't stop there. This is the year to go back across those things and just be sure there's not something you're still missing. And you, you have those close relationships and you say, you know what, I want you. I want you, I'm gonna give you the freedom. You and you alone, I'm gonna give you the freedom to come and tell me the 10% that I just don't see. And maybe just like a floodgate. When you're willing to do that, when you're willing to acknowledge that, that something's going to happen and that change that you've been praying for is going to start to come. And God, these are my words, not his. God may actually begin to trust you and give you what you've been praying for. And That's my prayer this morning. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for the challenge. I, I just really pray, God, that My words and through your spirit make it really clear today that that the reconstructing and the growing of our character is not in our power, God, but it's yours. That it's in you and you alone to produce in us what you want to produce in us. But if we have to walk through the process of, of inspecting and naming it and being honest about the things in our life, and God, Give us the ability and the, and the patience and, the, and really by your power to be able to, to do that. And even though it's going to make us feel bad and even though it's going to challenge us and even though we're going to grieve some things, but we put to death in our life. God, by your spirit and by your power, would you meet us there? Would you begin the work that you said that you would do? As we cast off our old self and we put on our new, our new nature in you. God, I pray for those watching today and just for here this morning that you, in terms of just this next week of prayer, as we pray specifically about ways that you can grow our character, God, that you'd be doing an incredible work right now, starting today, of helping out this year be the year that we're willing to do the work, that we're willing to surrender to you and to see you do a work in us that's more than we could ever ask or imagine. We believe it and we trust it in your name, Jesus. Amen.